welcome to Big Blend Radio, where we celebrate variety and how it adds spice to quality of life. Hey, everybody. So excited because today is January 9th and Steve Piacenti is back on the show. And, you know, this is our Big Daily Blend show where we focus on holidays. And um, the month of January is actually International Creativity Month. And when, you know, Steve was coming back on the show, we're like, dude, we have to talk about this because creativity, we think, is the recipe for life. Um, it helps propel you forward. You can really, if you don't use your creative muscle, I think we get stagnant. And maybe we watch movies for inspiration and those stories. Maybe we read books, listen to music. Um, Steve, he, Steve Piacenti, he has a life of being a novelist, a journalist, a speechwriter. Uh, he is also the director of training at the Communication Center in Washington, D.C. He is a formal journalist. He, a, he's a life coach, too, with an, a next phase life coaching. So you can go to stevepiacenti.com, but today he's going to talk about his next two adventures. Right, Steve? Welcome back. How are you? Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be here. Good to see you, and Happy New Year to you and, and to Nancy, to everybody. Yes, do you too? Nancy says hi. She's like, hey, creativity. Um, I think you're embodying the world of that. And um, I think when we look at life coaching, what you do with next phase of life coaching, um, creativity, you always talk about people having dreams and not fulfilling them. So they may be brewing that creativity, but creativity is all great. Have all these dreams. But if you actually don't do it, what's the point? It's yeah. fun to sit and sleep about it. Really, you and I, you and I talk about quotes that we like. Here's another one that I like a lot. This is by the famous hockey player Wayne Gretzky, mm. who said, "You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take." Yeah. So we got to exactly. keep trying. We got to, you know, we're not sure what's going to work out. There are no guarantees, but hey, it's it's worth the effort. I want to kind of run back on your life a little bit here. Um, I know you've been on the show for years, um, really. And you came on the show with initially with your novels. Uh, yeah. We've got uh, Bella, Bootlicker, Pretender, right? The three novels. Mm -hmm. And um, next thing you know, you're like, well, yes. And this is all, you know, something that came out of after being a journalist. And then next thing you're like, no, I'm now going to be doing, you know, you're a speechwriter. You're working in communications and hey, I'm going to do life coaching because I understand people that had to change careers. And the journalism side, I mean, we felt it too, just as an independent print magazine. Mm -hmm. We all kind of went in that like, holy crap moment <laughs> of everything just changed in the world. And you have to get ahead with that. So let's talk a little bit going back in the beginning of journalism days. Um, did you pick up a camera at that time? Because we're going to talk about your photography today, too. So, so when I was in college at American University, I did pick up a camera and I took a photography class. And those were the days when you had to go into the darkroom and put the film in the, fix, oh. in the fixer and all that chemical smell. And it was horrible. Um, but it was always fun for me. And so as I progressed um, I worked for a small newspaper when I first came out of college that required us as sports writers to take our own photographs. So we didn't do the developing and the, and the uh, editing, but we took the photos at the sporting events. So it, it continued there. And then, you know, as it, as, as life went on, I always kind of had the camera with me and then just more recently got more serious about it 
and now have established my own commercial photo site, piacentephotos.com. I know. And it's awesome because people can download them. They can print them in different ways. I mean, they can order them in different styles. And you go, you do a lot of travel with your career in in DC, right? As a communication specialist. So So you're able to go in different places. I'm lucky enough to have a boss who, uh, who said, um, we, we like your work. We want to keep you. What do you want from us? And I said, the only thing I really want is when you, when I go out of town, I'd like to take a couple of days at the beginning or at the end of the assignment to do my uh, photography. And mm-hmm. she said, uh, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. And so every time I go out of town and I've been as far as Bangkok, uh, I'm, I'm taking the cameras with me and getting those shots. So oh, wow. it's a great and- situation. And we've always talked about this on the show with you, that when you do travel, you go to places you may not think that you want to go. Um, we talked about that on one of you. We talked about, you know, being an insider and change and um, going across the bridge. You were talking about San Francisco. Remember, um, you know, the taxi. I know I don't go across the bridge. You're like, why? <laughs> why not go across the bridge? Right? right. That fear factor and going through that. And so when you travel a lot. There's always that element of like, where am I going? If you've never been there, um, right. where am I going to do? But you always work with locals to actually show you the places. So you're not just wandering around for those two days and hoping yeah. to get a shot. No, you have to maximize the time. But with that said, though, sometimes I think it's fun to turn off the GPS and just take a turn that you didn't expect to make and see yeah. where it leads. Yeah, but but you're also going with a vision, right? So let's talk about that. And creativity is that, yes, we can have all these wonderful ideas and create, you know, creativity. I, I don't think any business was born without creativity, sure. right? Any career and creativity can pull you ahead. If you have this great idea, sometimes people don't get your idea, but it's in how you execute it. And sometimes you may have to go back to the drawing board in life. Um, as a life coach, is that part, is creativity part of that conversation with your clients? So I would put it a little bit differently. I I would say most of my clients are very smart, very accomplished. Um, What they, what they have managed to do though is put on a pair of blinders Mm. and, and they're not um, taking in the entire view. They're only taking in a partial view. And so that limits their choices, that limits their alternatives. uh, And, and they kind of uh, get stuck. And so part of what I do is try to take the blinders off. You know, mm-hmm. what, what's standing between you and really feel, feeling fulfilled? Let's identify the obstacle and go through it, around it, or under it to get to where you will feel better about things. Mm. Same as taking a photograph. You yeah. know you want this sunrise or that sunset, like right behind you in that photo, right? And so sometimes you have to go around the entire bay of a place to get that photo and you have to figure out the obstacles, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that could be what you described like a physical barrier or sometimes it's the lighting. Sometimes it's uh, just, just obstacles in the way, you know, but to find that right angle, find the right light um, that that's where the thinking comes in. Well, actually having your background going back to sports journalism, right. And mm-hmm. then doing sports, in regards to filming and photographing sports, that's not that easy. You could take, especially when you go back to film days, 
we didn't have like digital. We could sit there and just keep going, click, 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 click yeah. until you get the perfect right. shot, right? right? So this was film days, right? And so getting that perfect shot, yeah. that was um, a trained eye. So you had to be very focused. And so going back to creativity and living your best life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. focus is part of it. Focus, and there's no pun intended there, right? Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, the other thing that I had, uh, I was lucky enough to grow up uh, being an, ath- an athlete. So I played a lot of basketball. Mm-hmm. I played a lot of tennis. And when you play one sport, uh, that kind of puts you in the, the headspace of being able to anticipate uh, mm-hmm. a moment before the good shot is going to happen. So the moment mm-hmm. of contact, uh, the moment when the wrestler makes his move, what, whatever it is. You've, you kind of develop that, that sense of when it's going to happen, which of course is critical when photography. Well, that also leads to even with people and understanding people. Like, you know, is this person going to turn at this time? Yeah. You know, and lean in when you're standing in the distance and you have a lot of photos of people like, you know, levers walking through a park and, and people fishing, all kinds of things like that and animals. For us, a lot of it is wildlife and understanding wildlife, and we wouldn't be able to get the shots. Like Nancy's work in photography is crazy from Africa, right? Yeah. And it comes from her doing her due diligence of studying animals and painting animals, and mm-hmm. she was taking photos to use them to paint. So there's a bunch of animal photos of just here's a leg. <laughs> you know, this is how the leg looks like that nobody is going to care about, but for her as an artist, she cared about that was studying to be able to finally get the shots that are so important. Yeah. The other critical thing in the, in the recipe for success is patience. Oh, I like that. Ooh. Is patience. Ah, oh, Steve, come on. <laughs> Dang it. Patience. Listen. <laughs> I mean, when, when you can get, when you can get the animal photo where they're making, it seems like direct eye contact. That's a, that's a joyous photo for me. And and to wait for that, uh, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll stand there for a half an hour waiting for that to happen. Oh, it, it, it really, but that's the joy to me is I just like to sit and hang out and watch them. And then I miss the shot because I'm enjoying it so much. So right. is that, does that ever happen to you as a photographer where I, you kind I of try, sometimes just go yeah. like, dude, this was so cool. I forgot to take yeah. it. So that's the stop and smell the roses moment. But if you if you do that and you miss the shot, then you're going to smack yourself. So I try to stay focused on getting the shot. Then I'll chill and watch what's going on. So in other words, we're not allowed to have the champagne until we made victory. Like yeah. in yeah. Ah, okay, but I do once. In a, well, I like to schedule um, moments of just spontaneity in life. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that in the way Nancy and I travel. It's mm-hmm. the same thing where, okay, we do this, 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 this is all work-related. And then no matter what we do, it's still always work-related and what we do because we do what we love. But we do plan in spontaneity. And what do you say that as a photographer, as a creative person, and a life coach is to, for creativity purposes, I think we need to have spontaneity, but we just schedule it in so mm-hmm. that you, it's kind of like risk management in a way. <laughs> Right. I, I know what you mean. And, and, you know, we're all on tough calendars. Um, but I'll give you an example. So I, I'm working on my new novel uh, while I'm doing the photography site. 
But, um, you know, I live in a part of Maryland that's pretty close to Washington, D.C., Uh, but the novel has taken me out to Western Maryland, which is, which feels like an entirely different state. It It feels is. more like, I don't know, Pennsylvania. That's, they call it Mountain Maryland. And it's towns like Hagerstown and Cumberland. And when you get out there, Frostburg, these are places that I have very little relationship with. Um, but when I went out, I, of course, I brought the cameras because I never go without them. And, uh, you know, just en route to my destination, I am, I am open to that moment of spontaneity where if I see something interesting, I'll take a detour and I'll come up, I'll hopefully come up with a shot that, you know, satisfies uh, my, my instinct to get that different photo uh, while I'm also doing my research for the book. And doesn't that also work in research and even going back to journalism that, you have to take chances of things like sometimes we put things in our in our way like we put our own roadblocks just like oh no that will never happen meantime that could have actually been the lead story if we'd oh, yeah. followed that lead oh, no, you have to get out of your own way one of my one of my favorite techniques as a writer is to um kind of imagine the characters talking to me and without letting my authorial um um authority get in the way, you know, so I'll just kind of try to sit back and listen. What are they trying to tell me? If you can get yourself to that space, you, you'll learn some interesting secrets. So dude, I know that because there's parts in, in your books that Nancy and I have walked out to each other reading and going, Steve wrote this, like, you know, like he wrote that he, he went there. <laughs> he did that. He said that he wrote it, but it's not you, but it's your characters. Your characters did that. And we're like, Oh, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, you have to kind of suspend your um, authority to, to make that happen. Mm. Um, and that's hard to do sometimes because if you think about any real writing exercise, you're the person in charge. So you yep. have to kind of suspend that and, and listen to what they're trying to tell you. I tell you, Lisa, sometimes uh, I'll walk out of my office and my wife will look at me and, they'll, and she'll say, are you okay? Because I look a little bewildered by what's what I've been doing for the last hour. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's, it's in, the world is interesting, right? Creativity is, I feel like it's co-creation of the universe, right? When you're part of it, it's getting to understand the universe um, as big as it is, as, as small it is, as it is. Do you feel that as a writer and photographer that, even though the world seems so big and sometimes very humbling, like you go to these beautiful natural areas that are just like, wow, we're so little compared to this mountain. Right. right? And then at the same time you turn around and go, okay, actually the world's real small. Do you feel that in, in creative creativity well, that we have to balance that in a way? I think um, what I'm reminded of when you say that is storytelling. And, mm -hmm. and so the key to good storytelling is finding something from that big vast world that's relatable and compelling mm -hmm. um, and where there's some creative tension so that your listener or your reader or your viewer will will be able to relate to it mm. now let's go into the professional world with what you just said because when you i know you work with uh, you know all these different clients in in your life coaching part of things and a lot of them are looking at where they're going in their life personally and professionally and i don't believe that the two are separate i think personal and professional growth 
hold hands. They really do. Mm-hmm. Something is going on in your professional or your personal. It can affect either way, right? It's kind of like a seesaw. And if you can get it in balance for a while, that's really cool. But right. life doesn't let that happen. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that gets to my whole philosophy about, you know, not settling uh, that mm. good enough is not good enough. <laughs> and and so you know it takes some kind of cu- some courage as well as creativity to suddenly put the brakes on and realize there might be something else I could be doing um, mm. that would be more fulfilling than what I'm doing here. Yeah, you know? and going to storytelling. Mm-hmm. How important is it for us to be our own storytellers of our life? Not necessarily be you know prolific in words. Um, but even in regards to getting, you know, into a new career or trying to elevate where you are in a career, you still have to be a storyteller as individuals. Like they say, okay, you can go on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. right? We're all part of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who are you? Are you your company that you're representing or is it, are you you? So it's mm-hmm. almost like, don't we have to write our own resume about ourselves, not just the company we're working for fulfilling yeah. their dreams. And maybe that's what your dream is too. You know, everyone's got a different thing is, but right. storytelling is huge. Sometimes I think as we get older, we lose our propensity for that. Um, and, and you know, we have to remember all of us are hardwired through mm-hmm. DNA to tell and listen to stories. And I'm always reminded of this because I have a, a passel of granddaughters now and they love storytelling. <laughs> yeah. They come up with some amazing things. And so I'm not sure where along the line it happens that we kind of get that drummed out of us. But I find now full circle as a communications coach, um, having to convince people in professions like engineering and trade and um, econ- the, the economists that you know, I understand you're in love with your facts and your data and your charts and your graphs, but you will be much more relatable and compelling if we can weave some stories in around all of this material. Yeah, exactly. Because the graphs, it's like, let's get to the nitty gritty. But mm-hmm. in, in sales, if you don't have a story and a yeah. solution, you're, you're, you're up a river, you know, that, that's the two things. So storytelling is also part of photography, right? So yeah. Photography now going commercial with this, and I know I've been we've been following you on Instagram for years. I mean, and so many people have with your photos, and they're beautiful. It's like, oh yay, Steve today. Oh, I feel better. I'm going to have a good day. Steve put a good photo. Yay! That, that one looks familiar behind you, by the way. Yeah, yeah, a little Palm Springs there, right? You know, we do our Palm Springs shows every second Saturday, so I'm like, hello, people. Yeah, <laughs> Steve was there. But um. Tell us a little bit about the importance of photography now, especially your goals with the site, but also because I think so many of us feel like we could just snap through on our smartphones to make photos, which is great, but you put this extra leg of work into it and have, you know, incredible photos because it isn't just go click, click, click. Yeah. I I mean, I'm I'm a very uh, ruthless editor when it comes to photos. So, you know, that one behind you, the one behind me, there were probably 50 to 75 other shots in that same location that I didn't like as much. 
and wound up in the deleted photos section. Um, so that's one part of it. The other part of it is that um, I think that, or I find that people are interested in the stories behind the photos. So in other words, what were you doing there? What were you thinking about when you shot that? And, and you know, what is what else can you tell us about it? Uh, what were you feeling? What kind of feeling do you have when you look back on that experience? What did you learn from it? You know, all of those kinds of things. I find people, it, it's, it is another layer and it's what will separate, I think, a lot of photographers who just want to shoot. Yeah. And the, you tell stories in such a good way of not over telling. Um, you have a very, in your novels and in, you know, <laughs> good enough isn't and you know it, uh, <laughs> your new fighting stance, it is, you mm -hmm. get right to the point. And I think that comes from your journalism background and also what you do in communications coaching is don't over, you, you don't add flour when you, because we all don't want extra flour in the cake, man. You know, <laughs> you, you, know you know what a good example of this is? It's, um, you know, every Thanksgiving when everybody's standing around the kitchen cooking, and grandpa is telling the same story that he's told for the last 10 years. Only by this year, the 10th year, he's, he does a really good job on it because over the years he's honed it and he knows where yes. the left lines are and he knows where to pause. And so everybody tolerates it because it's, it's fun. But I always tell people, don't make us wait 10 years for you to get it right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And uh, suddenly it changes location, doesn't it? <laughs> Things change. Things get added in. And I always tell that about like Nancy. No, no, it was here. She goes, it's about the story. Who cares? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. you're, you're, this isn't National Geographic here. You know what I mean? So, so the biggest, got, the, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that I find in, in my professional work that the biggest mistakes that people make with storytelling are just what you said. They over talk, they make it too long. And the second thing is we don't understand why you're telling us the story. How does it link to the main point that you're trying to make? Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you can correct those two flaws, then it's, then it's much more appealing to the listener. Now, as a kid, tell us about you as a kid, were you creative? Did you sketch things? Did you, how, like what, what like produced you? In creativity, because you're obviously creative, you know. I I got hooked on comic books when I was young. Oh, wow. In fact, comic books were was the main vehicle through which I learned to read. Um, in addition to school, of course. But I was a huge Superman fan, and so um, reading the comics, learning the stories, um, imagining the background, and then later when I grew up, finding out what that was actually all about was was very interesting to me. So that kind of fired the imagination. Huh. Then, of course, like anyone else, um, if you're lucky enough to have uh, mentors, teachers along the way who see a little bit of flash and encourage it, um, I think that's critical. Um, and so that helped me um, even to the point where when I was in college, I had a roommate who encouraged me to join the school, the school newspaper and I did, and I became the the arts editor. Uh, arts meaning like TV, movies, mm -hmm. books, records, uh, and and so you know I was that kind of launched my career. And I always knew that I was going to be a writer of some sort. 
I love that. And I think the comics, because comics, you couldn't write a whole story in there. You had to do it visually. So this full circle, dude. (laughs) Really, this is full circle. I love this. I love this conversation. So um, we always do a quote of the day, and you sent me two. Um, Imagination is more important than knowledge. Thank you, Einstein. I love that, right? Um, The second one, I think, really goes with your book, Your New Fighting Stance, Good Enough Isn't, and You Know It. It's by Jack London, and it is, you can't wait for inspiration. You have to go after it with the club. Dude, yeah. In other words, get off your butt. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, uh, again, when you look at my career in my life, it looks like it was well planned out, very thoughtfully, methodically planned, but it wasn't at all. It was just what ha- what ended led to something else, and then that ended and it led to something else. And, and so what I would say is that, um, you know, when you're a journalist, you don't really have the luxury of, of indulging in writer's block. You know, that story is due by 4 p.m. You got an editor breathing down your neck. You've got to get it done. And so <laughs> that's yeah. great preparation if you're going to be a creative writer later on or even in the moment. Yeah. Well, anytime. I mean, it's in, in business. Like what happens if someone calls you? And offers you the dream job, are you going to not like answer and just get to the point? Yeah. Right. You know, it, it, that's where spontaneity, spontaneity is like, we need to be able to meet spontaneity with just actually having self trust, I think sometimes. Right. And, and uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I'll tell you the, I, I was, I had done a, a job for my company in Boston. While I was in Boston, I took a bunch of shots at one of the local parks. And as I was looking at these photos, maybe a year later, um, I, I happened on one where there was a singer in the park and he was just belting it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, you sent us that, yes. That's, that's the one. And when I looked at that photo, something it triggered something and I go, that's going to be the start of my novel. Oh, and so sometimes we can't even question where it comes from. You just have to be willing to go with it. And that's okay, where so, your word trust comes in. Oh, you just have to go and, and have faith in yourself to be able yeah. to follow blindly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, faith in self is really hard and creativity. You do. You just have to know, hey, I can handle wherever this ride's going to take me because I've been on rides before, yeah. you know. And if it's your first ride, just sit back and enjoy it, man. So the the reality, tell us a little bit. Uh, so the are you? Can you give us more than that about the novel? Yeah, uh, here's the blurb. Here, here's the blurb. Um, the story is about disillusioned communications professional Nick Ricard. <laughs> now Nick is Nick is lured out of retirement to mentor a young woman with the potential to do the unimaginable, reunite a nation mired in social, racial, and political quicksand. And despite his long aversion to politics, Nick sees in this 20-year-old, her name is Nora Donovan, uh, the charisma, confidence, and courage capable of inspiring a coalition that can transform the future. And through though Nora holds a strategic advantage, she faces formidable opposition, as you can imagine, and election day is 10 months away. Well, this sounds kind of timely. <laughs> and I'm calling it so far. The working title is The Run of Their Lives. Oh, wow. Wow. And so do you know when it's going to come out? Or I mean, where are you? On, you're, my, at the big, you're in the, in it. You're in it. 
my resolution for 24 is to finish it in 24. Okay. Well, I like that. I like that. So give everyone an overview of your non, your fiction books, Bootlicker, uh, Pretender, Bella, and that journey of even starting writing, you know, actual fiction. Yeah. So Bella is the story of a young woman who loses her husband in, in, um, in armed conflict. And the military tells her a lie that he was killed by friendly fire, uh, or rather that he was killed in battle. And it turns out that he was, he was killed in friendly fire. And she enlists a reporter to help her find out the truth. So that's Bella. And then, um, Bootlicker. Again, you mentioned this, but it, all of this is inspired by my career in journalism and also by the fact that I'm a New Yorker who somehow wound up in Southern, covering Southern politics. So for Bootlicker, yeah, yeah for Bootlicker, uh, that's a story of a racist senator and a and the first African-American congressman from the state of South Carolina since Reconstruction. And there's a, uh, I call it an unholy link between the two of them. So that's Bootlicker. And then Pretender mm. follows Bootlicker. And now that Senator um, is in jail for the crimes that he committed, and he reaches back to the reporter and says, I've got a story that will resurrect your career. Um, but but the reporter is torn because he doesn't know whether to trust him or not. And so that's Pretender. It's amazing. And now you get another one. So you still have that political edge, even though, I mean, even on shows, I'm like, la, 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 in politics. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to do it until it's a novel. <laughs> You're not going there unless it's a novel. <laughs> You know, I think it's um, timely because you always have life lessons in your novels, yeah. you know, and, and good enough because, um, you know, you know, your, your fighting stance, um, that book, I think your was different because you went and got everybody's stories and put them there. So they were true life stories, not fiction that people could go and right. identify with themselves. They'll find somebody in that book that yeah. they had done identify with. To be able so, to go, okay, I can do it. So we're back to storytelling. And, ah, and yeah. what, what I'll tell you, because I, I do get resistance from people in certain professions about storytelling. They say it's too soft and it's too squishy. And, and what I tell them is that there is actually research that tells us that when information is transmitted via a story rather than through facts and charts, that, that retention is higher that empathy is higher, uh, more parts of the brain light up. There was a great study where a, a researcher from Princeton, I believe it was, got people into the lab and found that when the information was delivered via a story, the brain waves of the audience came into alignment with the brain waves of the speaker. They call it neural coupling. And I oh. thought it was just fascinating. And, and of course, it's hard for my uh, people who don't want to tell stories to argue with scientific evidence. Well, I love this because the, as a singer, um, you could go up on stage and you can all of a sudden you could have stage fright and you can, you need to get past all that. Um, I wasn't good at speaking to the audience, believe it or not, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, truly. Um, but I could sing. Mm -hmm. And if I got nervous, which I do, um, I, had the only way I would get through it and know the words. I don't have teleprompters. I hate it when musicians have their singing off of their iPad. I, yeah. I, it drives me nuts. 
because it's like you either know the song you don't or speakers too. Yeah, yeah. You either know see storytelling is about soul mm-hmm. and getting to the heart of it. And yeah, you could talk too long or whatever, but if you're telling a story and you know that story well, if I lost the lyrics, I know how to rhyme like this. I was able to just deliver that song by yeah. knowing the story and going, that's the heart of it. And that's why I was good at what I did right. was being right. able to deliver the story. It wasn't about um, remembering every word and every note in the way it was supposed to be. It was about the story. Now hmm. I'll tell you that when we get into presentation coaching, the biggest secret of really good storytellers and people don't believe this because I hear all the time, oh, he's such a natural or she's so good at this. Uh, she's just born that way. And the secret of really good storytellers is that they practice relentlessly. Yep. They practice, I, I like to call it rehearsed spontaneity. Yes, exactly. Because then you know, you have, you, that's where that trust, that inner, you can't have inner trust if you haven't been there before. Right, right, Exactly. You know what I mean? So if you've done your rehearsal, Mm -hmm. you've got your trust and faith in yourself. So whatever happens, Mm -hmm. you're able to have that spontaneity. And that will also give you a new sound or a new level to your storytelling, which is, man, creativity is the best thing on earth. So everyone, our books of the day, you know, are all about Steve Piacenti. So I've got the link in the show notes to his Amazon page to get them. You can go to stevepiacenti.com as well uh, to learn more about uh, his next phase life coaching. Piacentephotos.com. Go there. Um, It's awesome. Uh, You've got products on top of photos. And our puzzle of the day is going to be one of Steve's photos, a jigsaw puzzle online that you can see. Song of the day. We were talking about music. So tell me about this because I did not know you were a jazz fan. And jazz is the ultimate of trust and creativity and letting it go. So maybe we never talked about this before, but growing up in New York, my father was the pianist and musical arranger at the uh, Taft Hotel in Manhattan. And uh, he worked for the Vincent Lopez Orchestra. So it was, uh, that's where that spark came from. Um, and he taught me enough to, to um, help pay my way as a piano player through college, working, working in kind of wedding bands, bar mitzvah bands. You so, know, we did touch on this before. Now you're telling me this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But this is fantastic. I love this. Keep going. Keep going. So, so yeah. So one of my favorite songs of all time, uh, because it speaks to almost everything we've been talking about in some way, is a song called "Here's to Life." And the most, I think, the most famous recording of it was made by Shirley Horn. Um, Amazing. But I'll give you a couple of lines from it that I really like. One of them is, uh, "All you give is all you get, so give it all you've got." I love it. I love it. Do you still play? I do. I do. It's, it's a lot of kids songs because we have all the grandkids now, but. <laughs> I, hey, listen, and do you do did like Christmas time? That oh, yeah. kind of thing. Oh, oh yeah. 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 So you still play. Now do you sing? I don't not sing. I, okay. I know my limits and I think it's important to know your limits. Um, and so you will not, you will not hear me singing. Okay. Well, when we finally meet you in person, you know what's happening. We have to have a jam session. Oh, you know, sure. you know, Nancy and I used to teach people how to play organs and musical and organs. I did stuff. not know that. Yeah, we're, all, we're all big music fans, but I love the jazz because jazz is about getting to the point and letting go at the same time. It has it's that that level of 
um, it is a let go, but it, exactly what I said. Yeah. I think that's important. And there's trust letting in that go. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have you can't let go if you don't have trust. Mm-hmm. And if you let go without it, mm-hmm. well then you're gonna have a you're gonna learn something. <laughs> you're gonna learn. So that's okay too. And and you know, Lisa, uh I feel like we're coming sort of toward the end here, but yeah. The one thing I would like to get out is that all the things that you and I've been talking about. I mean, the the younger that you can learn these things, um, the more fruitful your life will be. Mm. Uh, what people don't realize when they're young, and I didn't myself, is that it, time is not infinite; it's finite, and mm. and you don't want to get to your senior years and be thinking about all the things you coulda, woulda, shoulda. Done. Oh, I don't like those words. Yeah, yeah, I don't like so, those. So words. learn learn this stuff when you're young. And it will it will really benefit you in the in the long run. Learning is life. The day we stop learning is yeah. the day we are literally dead. Honestly, that's what I think. Uh, in closing, here movies. We're going to go to movies. Um, you've got two. Once upon a time in America, and as good as it gets. Can you tell me about Once Upon a Time in America? I've not watched that yet. Yeah, that's the. Um, uh, I think it's Francis Ford Coppola. And, and it's a it's a story uh, it's there's a lot of nostalgia there's a lot of beautiful music uh Ennio Morricone is the composer uh and I highly recommend it it's about uh two guys growing up um one of them goes to prison he gets out many years later there's a there's and it's about the relationship between these two it's just a very insightful look at the human condition mm. Ooh, and then as good as it gets, you got Jack Nicholson. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta yeah. love him. Yeah, yeah. Jack Nicholson that... in one of the one of the most different roles to me that he's ever played, uh, and I, ju- I just love that movie. I think the writing in that movie is just phenomenal. So mm. yeah, that was my other good one. Awesome. Well, Steve, uh, before you go, last question. Yeah. Someone in life going, I know that something has to change, and sometimes you don't know where your change is, mm-hmm. right? You're sitting in there and you know you're not happy where you're at, but there needs to be a change. Right. Is there an exercise through creativity in some way to help open up your mind? Because sometimes we close our mind to things that actually are the pathway we need to take. Yeah. Is there anything we can do creatively to cre- creatively, excuse me, uh, to move yeah. forward? I'll get my words right. That's uh, okay. You, you forward, created a new word. I know it's, it's it's actually kind of cool, uh, but yeah, to go forward, what would you say would be a good so, exercise? So I would say, first of all, um, close your eyes, take a breath, close your eyes, take a breath um, and try to imagine it's five years from today and everything has worked out exactly the way you want it. You're very happy. And then now the question is, what are you doing and who are you with? All right, everyone, that sounds like the basis of a new book or a movie or a song. I love this. Actually, an exercise I do with my my clients all the time. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, everyone. The links are in the show notes. SteviePiacente.com and PiacentePhotos.com are the websites to go to. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, Steve. Thanks, Lucy. You too. One of my favorite topics. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio. Keep up with our shows at BigBlendRadio.com.